Visual confirmation of recording. Audio confirmation of recording. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. <laughs> recording in progress. Well, what is happening? Okay. You got fine. like one, you've got one dangle that keeps touching your forehead. Hey, I got my own hang downs to touch, kid. I got my own hang down to stuff. <laughs> oh, it- nope. Oh, that's how it's going to go today. Sweet. Yep. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, sorry. This this is how it goes every time. Hello, everyone. This <laughs> this is I'm sorry. What the podcast? Our episode is one eleven. So one one one. This is great. This is going well. Uh, I'm Amanda. This is Christina. This is our first it's me two week scheduled episode. So I'm a little. We're a little out of whack. We got to get in the routine of it. <laughs> It's okay. It'll go back to every week. No, just gonna... sorry. <laughs> I was like, why are you so sad? It's fine. No, Clover we just still gotta got, get like... you in the house. <laughs> Clover still got like a raging double ear infection. Oh, poor and thing. I hadn't realized it, but when she's like outside or we're not paying attention, she's digging the crap out of her ears with her paws. Oh, so she has got sores. sores and stuff in them now. So I bought the cone of shame that's going to be delivered tomorrow. And, uh, but her well, ears hurt really bad. So she like comes up to me and just rests her head on my, like, just please pat me. My ears hurt. So that was why I was making the sad face. Cause she's just so pitiful. Mama fix me. No, that's literally, I swear to, every time you look at her, it's just like, she just looks sad. <laughs> you haven't smiled in days. You haven't smiled in days, my love. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Anyway, what's up, dudes? <laughs> what's up, dudes? Oh, not much over here. Just living life. <laughs> oh, the white people. How are you doing? Answer. Good. Good job. Yep. Just um, just living the dream. Just living the dream. <laughs> Whether or, it's a nightmare or <laughs> it's going. <laughs> oh, it's gone. Oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Fine. It's fine. Everything's I don't know fine. why my voice is so high and squeaky like this. Because really. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> we just finished watching Friends. Uh, like, we watched all the seasons again. And oh my God, I forgot how much I love that show. So I've been watching My Haunted House on Paramount. Yeah. And as it goes, like the first couple ones are like, first season is kind of like, well, these are, these sound like real stories. And then as it goes, it's like, it almost gets more dramatized. So there's like a kernel of truth in the story, but now it's like, dramatized you know know, like movies that are like based on a true story and it's like okay so so someone stayed in a woods once so if you no, so if you go i believe i I think they're like no but there's like dramatized like reenactments okay yeah yeah. and it does say some names have been changed so like there's ones where the person lived in the house where a serial one of the serial killers were raised and like they found like an animal boneyard underneath the porch. Gross. Yeah. But like, so if you go into it with kind of a, I just look at it as they're not actual real, but then each episode is like watching a mini paranormal horror movie. Ew. And it's freak. it freaks me the fuck out. And so like, I've been watching it, like just the sound on in the background as I'm working when I don't have the phones on. So it's like a podcast kind of. But so it's been freaking me the fuck out at night because I live in this basement with all those weird sounds. So now I've been watching Friends. Anyway, that's how it ties into what you were saying. Oh, okay. Um, at night to like bring it back down. <laughs> and then yesterday I was like, so Linda, 
when you go to church, can you ask the priest if he'll come bless our house? <laughs> and mom's like, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, you are a devout Catholic. Why will you not allow me to have a priest bless our house? She's like, it's not necessary. And I'm like, I beg to differ, my friend, because I've watched four seasons of a show where it starts with every new person moving into a new house and then getting haunted by fucking demons. So if you could just please just scoot your little hiney up to the altar and ask the priest to come bless our fucking house. Linda, it doesn't cost shit. Just ask him to do it. We're moving into a house. It's not unheard of to have it blessed when you move in. And I can find grandma, or I could find grandma Be- or McLean's exorcism box, but I still need anointing oil. So if you could steal that from the priest or maybe request some. Do you, do you want to theft oil or do you want to ask for a blessing? Those are your <laughs> options. Those are your two fucking options, Linda. <laughs> oh, you're a hair. <laughs> Listen. You take a picture and show everybody how cool my hair is. You your headphones and it popped up like, oh Lord, hold on. We're working on it. Oh, my everything is starting to die. Oh yeah. (laughs) Check you out. Oh, you can't. It's so, it's so blown out from just being a screen. I was there. I was doing it. (laughs) I know, but I, I diagonaled you. Oh, nice. So it angled it. So it angled it, made it obvious oh that's nice Same. all right should we uh should we crack into this episode probs probs bobs are you ready to get real pissed off oh i think so oh you think so i don't think you are you're right but uh, i'm here i'm here for it also i'm just gonna because i normally trigger warning after i do something terrible or read something terrible so i'm gonna just start the top off excuse me those were what? Did you just vomit a little bit? No, that was a weird. That was frothy. Stop it! <laughs> I had one more in there. It had to come out. Um, Self like a baby. <laughs> just a little. Oh, come on! Oh, there it is. There it is. Get out of there. Move the bubble um, to the top. Anyway, <laughs> back to the terrible stuff I'm about to read. I know. I'm sorry. I'm nervous. Um, I read what happens to the person from the person who does it like in their own words and it's really effed up so i'm i'm just forewarning you just be aware of and it doesn't start off as terrible it kind of builds up to safe okay okay so um have you ever heard of ashley reeves i don't think so (laughs) well let me tell you (laughs) you're a treat Okay, so 17-year-old Ashley Reeves was a high school junior who lived in uh, Milstad, which is like a small town in Illinois. Okay. Um, With her parents and her younger sister, she did well in school, had many friends, um, and a boyfriend named Jeremy, who her parents adored. So she was kind of a well-rounded student, never got into any trouble, um, had a lot of friends, just kind of a normal teen. All-American teen. Okay, so on Thursday, April 27th, 2006... Ashley told her parents she was going to a job interview in Fairview Heights, a city which was approximately like 20 minutes away from her home. Um, And then she told her parents after that she was going to go play basketball um, and would be home by her curfew. Okay. Um, She and her curfew was 10 o'clock. So she basically left the house with like a backpack full with a change of clothes in it because she was going to an interview and then she was going to go play basketball. Right. Um, She left for the interview at like 334-ish. Um, and she was taking Jeremy's car because he she had borrowed it, which was her boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, borrowed it for the day to go to the interview. Okay. 
but by 10 30 p.m when her curfew rolled around um or half an hour after her curfew i should say uh she was still not home uh her mom asked her youngest daughter her mom michelle asked her youngest daughter casey if she had heard from her sister they both texted and called her repeatedly nothing came up and her mom knowing this is completely out of the ordinary for ashley immediately called the cops and was like hey she's fucking missing Oh no. So so they called the St. Clair County Sheriff's Office. And at first officers were putting it as normal teenage. Well, right. It's hard to say they right. out with her friends just, and lost track of time. Like, right. Or was just like who cares tonight? You know, right. show up and deal with the consequences when you show up. Exactly. Um, but eight hours, basically after she was reported missing to the police, a car was reported as being like abandoned in a parking lot and the cops went to it and they found that it was Jeremy's car abandoned in Laterman Park, uh, Belleville, which was like 15 minutes past where her interview was going to be. So instead of coming back home to go like to one of the parks, there was plenty of parks in her home area. Right. Or on the way home or whatever. Right. Where they, she could have played basketball. She went another 15 minutes past um inside the car detectives found ashley's bag which contained the clothes she should have been wearing to go play basketball so she never changed for basketball no and with that the investigation immediately switched into a missing person right uh detectives brought jeremy in for questioning since he was ashley's boyfriend and it was his car uh but they quickly realized she was not involved he wasn't involved in the disappearance he had an alibi he told detectives that Ash- he let Ashley borrow his car to go to the job interview, and then that she was she told him the same thing that she was going to go play basketball. Detectives questioned why Ashley would go play basketball at a park so far away from her home when there were plenty close by, and they came to the conclusion that she must have been meeting someone. Okay. So Michelle, being the fucking badass mom that she was, wasn't going to just sit by and wait to hear what the detectives found out so she right. called the phone company and since ashley was 17 her phone was in her mother's name and so they were able to release all of the phone records to um and record and her phone record detailing all of her incoming and outgoing calls mm-hmm. uh, michelle went through the records and realized that there were several calls from one specific number which she didn't recognize it wasn't any of she didn't think it was any of her friends or anything like that right like a different area code i'm sure or something yeah so she called the number and the person who answered was 26 year old samson shelton okay uh michelle asked samson if he had seen or heard from ashley he said no and before she could question why he was basically calling and talking to her daughter all the time right he abruptly hung up the phone oh well that's not sketchy at all so while michelle was doing this the police were questioning ashley's friends and ashley kept her friends informed and updated on what was going on in her life. Okay, so let's spill the tea there, friends. Yes, and what they told detectives, um, and once Michelle found out, she was like, holy fucking shit, this is the guy. He did something to Ashley, because according to Ashley's friends, she was romantically involved with an older man. The two would Mm. often meet to play basketball together, and Ashley had plans to meet him that very day she went missing, and the man's name was Samson Shelton. Well, fuck. Samson was a driver's ed teacher and a gym coach at Ashley's high school. What? No. God, I hate this. All right. He was also a pro wrestler on the side. 
with <laughs> with his name being the teacher. <laughs> oh fucking a! Fucking You're douche. so cool, <laughs> Samson. Um, <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> I need to get a kick out of that. Stupid ass name. Fucking dumbass. <laughs> I'm gonna school you in the ring, fool. <laughs> Let me give you an education. <laughs> so many puns. Okay. okay. I'm gonna take you to detention. Okay, no, sorry. Okay, Can't keep no. going. You gotta uh, we stay could... after class with me. Oh, these could be sexual things <laughs> we too. Could, we no! could do this. We could do this all day. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> So some of Sam- Samson's female students referred to him as the cute teacher. Others thought he was strange and a bit full of himself. Detectives discovered that Samson was actually Ashley's teacher in 2001 when she was in seventh grade. Yuck, 13? Yes. 12? So they had reconnected in February of 2006, two months before she went missing. They often met in Belleville, which is where that park was. And that's where Samson lived with his mother and grandmother. Uh, right right near Laterman Park where detectives found Jeremy's abandoned vehicle. So was he living with his mother and grandmother because they needed help or because he was not well established? Listen, I don't know. So by the time this was all figured out, it was Friday, April 28th, and Ashley had been missing for an entire night and back into the day. So it was okay. almost a full 24 hours already. All right. Detectives went to the high school where Samson worked, took him in for questioning, and almost immediately they knew that he was involved in Ashley's disappearance. So at first, Samson maintained a cool and calm demeanor. He was friendly, polite, very cooperative with the investigation. When questioned about his relationship with Ashley, he said the two were simply friends who would occasionally meet to play basketball. He insisted his relationship with Ashley was strictly platonic. However, the St. Clair County Sheriff Sergeant Daniel Stockett stated that from the beginning, he felt like Samson knew more than what he was saying and felt like he was attempting to manipulate them by being overly cooperative. Okay. Um, They then confronted Samson with statements from multiple of Ashley's friends that their relationship was romantic and sexual in nature. He then changed his story in a desperate attempt to victimize himself. He stated that Samson told detectives Ashley had become infatuated with him. He painted the picture of an obsessed teen with a crush who called him at all hours of the day and night. He also said that he had been avoiding Ashley for days, hoping she would just leave him alone. Then, after they presented him with evidence from repeated calls he made to her... Not the other way around. <laughs> um, God, he's so dumb. It's, you know, okay. So this is one of the things that I like get so frustrated with is that like criminals in general, it's like you do realize that they can like check these things, right? <laughs> like it's not just, oh yeah, this happens. It's like there's documentation of a majority of things now. Well, and I know it has to do with narcissism, but like to just assume that people are just going to believe you because you're right. so smart. And you, you can't possibly be outwitted, but like, it almost makes you stupid because like, for me, I would have just said, we're friends. We play basketball occasionally. That's all I know. I need my lawyer. Yeah. Well, or, or you have no other proof. They actually had nothing. Well, or you just, I need my lawyer. Yes. You don't say a thing because they will help you say things the correct way, especially when you're like, they've literally not guilty. They had nothing to go on besides the word of a few teenagers saying the phone that calls she on the said phone. Yeah. That they were. Romantic. That's all they had. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, so okay. incoming calls. Yes. <laughs> so this is a direct quote from Samson. I will say this. We never kissed. We never kissed. Yes, we did have sex in the back of the vehicle there. We and- never kissed. Okay. I'm okay. Sorry. Zip. And after that day, I felt absolutely terrible about it. You should. It's illegal. Why are you acting like kissing is worse than fucking her? That's weird. Well, I mean, in Pretty Woman, she doesn't kiss. Oh, I suppose. Her clients. Okay. <laughs> they just kiss swimsuit parts. <laughs> um, so Stockhead says that after they called him out on his repeated story changes, his confidence started to waver, and that's when he slipped up. He admitted that Ashley was in his car the day she went missing. Okay. Samson claimed that they had an argument and he had left her by the side of the road, but it ends with Ashley still being alive. So he just well, drove of off and does. left her on the side of the road. She said He said that she was screaming, kicking. So he unhooked her seatbelt, picked her up, pulled her out of the car, shut the door, and then ran to the car and took off and just left her um, out in the ditch in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh, you sound like a really good guy now. Well, then it said when when they asked him, well, if you left her unharmed and alive, why has it taken us hours to get to this point? Why didn't you just tell us that? Right. Why wasn't that just a the immediate thing? Like, hey, yeah, we played basketball. She was in my car. I dropped her off here because that's what she said she wanted. And I left. Right. Um, he stated, well, his answer was, and this is another quote, well, I figured you'd want me to take you there. And I did not want to drive by there because I would, if I would have drove by there, I would have seen her like, I don't know if she had gotten hit by a car or something. And she was laying over there in a ditch. If I would have seen that, I could not stand that. And then he said, yeah, hold on. I have absolute fear. I have a very weak stomach when it comes to like gore movies. I can't even watch those. I still have in my head from the movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came, came out have you seen that movie? If I would like to see her laying on the side of the road right there, I just, I don't know. I would have felt absolutely horrible. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, ha- I have no words. Um, the fuck? And he said that she was, he had kept insisting that she was still alive because he had such a weak stomach. He couldn't hurt her. Okay. Um, and I was afraid I'd see her like, you know, hit by a car or something. Then why did you leave her on the side of a road? Right. I, I just, okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then phone records showed Samson never tried to call Ashley afterward to see if she was safe and instead went to a local country bar and was there all night. When the detectives asked them, like, you're telling me that this is a person that you cared for and you left her on the side of the road, but you didn't even, like, attempt to see if she got home okay, I find that hard to believe. And at this point, Ashley had been missing for about 30-ish hours with no sign of her and no idea where she was. (sighs) so i'm sorry no i can't get over the we never kissed but we did fuck (laughs) like i'm still thinking about that like who says that it's the weirdest confession i'm like shouldn't you have just been like well we made out a couple times right like that would have been the better way of phrasing that as opposed to we i never kissed her i never kissed her but i mean we did have sex Sex. okay how is that what you're fucking stupid oh my god all right so then kind of in a weird like twist of fate they had taken a break from the interrogation and samson had gone out gone to the bathroom and he had run into the department's head detective stephen johnson who knew samson okay uh, 
Samson was an explorer in our law enforcement post, and he was an advisor when he was in Boy Scouts. So he had known him from kind of a young age and okay. kind of been in this group with him. Like tr- he was the head of it in this group with these boys. Okay. So Stephen Johnson took over the interrogation because he was could he had a right. rapport with him already and was going to try and see if they could work a different angle. Kind right. of a good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Right. Like, I'm your friend, Samson. Yes. Samson. 20 minutes later, Samson crumbles at the mention of his grandmother. So, Stephen Johnson said, if I left from here and went in and talked to your grandmother right now, and I laid down this whole story that you're saying, what would your grandmother say? And and that did it? No, hold on. And then okay. Samson said, I just want to go home. I just need to explain to my mom and grandma exactly what happened. And Johnson said, your grandma's not here, your mom's not here, but you know what? In a way they are, because everything they taught you, all the talks grandma had with you are within you. All of them are. And unfortunately, right now, Sam, you're not telling the truth and you need to. You have to for your grandmother. Well, I mean, whatever works, I guess. Jeez. (laughs) And his response was, can I go show you what happened now? I'd have to show you. Oh, shit. Is this when it starts getting graphic because he explains everything? Yes. So, but strap in. Okay. 12 hours into the interrogation, Samson described in a cold and disturbing detail exactly what he had done to Ashley and where he had left her to die. According to Samson's videotaped confession, he didn't just pull Ashley out of the vehicle and leave her on the side of the road. The part-time pro wrestler put the teen in a chokehold, dragged her out of his car, and then he heard a loud pop and Ashley went limp. Realizing he had snapped her neck Mm. Samson panicked and dragged her into the woods so here is how it's how I'm sorry I apologize this is a quote from him I took the belt and I I took a belt my belt and I pulled I pulled it on her put it on her neck and I pulled and pulled I don't know how long I held on I had to turn my head because I didn't want to see then all of a sudden I heard like a gurgle And then all of a sudden, when I heard the gurgle, I let go. And when I let go, she had spit foam, spit and foam coming out of her mouth. And then I, she was the sickest color I had ever seen. Her tongue was protruding out of her mouth between her teeth. I hate, what the, okay. It gets worse. I then used my foot for leverage to choke as hard as I could with the belt, but the belt broke. So he put his foot on her chest and was using it as leverage to choke her. The belt broke, so I repositioned one more time and choked her with my hands until there was no more breathing, no more froth, no more changing of the facial color, and then I just left her in the middle of the woods. I need to breathe. I was holding my breath, and I didn't realize it until all of a sudden I got lightheaded. (laughs) You're about to get real pissed. He then said, I just took off. I mean, I literally darted through there like a bat out of hell, got in my car, went to the bar. Then he paused and went... When I go to jail, am I going to be able to get like my contact solution and take my contacts out and a toothbrush? And the cop was like, I, well, I don't think they're going to give you that. And he's like, but I have to take my contacts out. And then he said, am I going to get like a private toilet? Cause I can't pee when there's people around because of my urinary distress disorder. And when the cops are like, I don't think Sam. And he, and he's like, that's going to be miserable if I can't pee. Get the fuck over it, you fucking murderer. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I want to punch this guy in the face. What the fuck? Are you serious? Okay. You just explained how you killed this teenager, right? 
Amanda's pissed. Oh, this bitch. <laughs> this bitch for fucking sure. Mm, I just can't. I can't. So I'm just going to drink my coffee and be following, mad. Following his confession, Samson agreed to lead detectives to Ashley's body in Citizens Park. Uh, it's a 45-acre park in Belleville. So however, it had rained throughout the night. And once they arrived at the park, Samson was unable to remember exactly where he had left Ashley. So they were walking through the woods with flashlights, um, and they, as they began to question whether it was all a ruse by Samson, and they didn't know where at, he didn't actually remember or know where he left her, mm-hmm. they finally saw her. She was lying on her back, her hands were up to her chest, her tongue was sticking out of her mouth, and thousands of insect bites covered her body. At the, so that everyone was kind of like, this is, she's gone. Mm-hmm. Then they realized her chest was still moving what no she was still alive i mean thank god but also holy fucking shit mm-hmm. miraculously after being strangled nearly to death having her neck broken and left in the cold for over 30 hours and being covered with thousands of insect bites ashley had survived wow wow EMTs rushed to the scene, and despite despite believing that she would not make it out of the woods alive, she was transported to the local hospital, still alive, and they put her into an induced coma. Samson was arrested and charged with first-degree attempted murder. As he was taken into custody, he again requested a private bathroom. I Okay, I hate attempted murder convictions. Mm-hmm. I hate that annoys me because then they get like nothing they get a little slap on the wrist and just because they didn't complete because what they, they were didn't trying do to a do good job that's my thing i don't understand that because you didn't do a good job because right. you suck you didn't complete what you were trying to do it's fine even though you're gonna you slap on the wrist to kill them yeah, like that's what you were doing okay yes. anyway. um again he requested a private bathroom it was promptly denied. Yeah, well, fuck yeah. He was, he showed no empathy and no remorse for his actions. And he gave a detailed confession, but he pled not guilty uh, and never apologized to Ashley. Uh, he was released on bail and placed on house arrest. Uh, again, I'm just going to repeat. He had snapped her neck, choked her with a belt, choked her with his hands, and left her for dead in the woods. And he was oh, allowed. Because she had survival. Because in she had her, survived. Like, heart. Yes. He al- was allowed to live in the comfort of his home for an entire year as he awaited trial. So just before Samson was, fa- was to face charges of attempted murder, his mother, Susan, called the police, stating that he attempted to commit suicide by ingesting a concoction of various prescription pills and alcohol. They found him unresponsive in the bathroom with do not resuscitate written on his chest. They resuscitated him. Um, he but as they were reviving him he became alert and then began attacking the mts with punches and kicks he was transported to the local hospital where he allegedly made racial slurs towards a nurse and kicked her in the face and i just say i fucking hate this guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the judge presiding over ashley's case questioned samson's mental state but prosecutors believed his suicide attempt was just a way for him to gain empathy from the potential jurors um, a psychiatrist determined he was mentally competent to stand trial, uh, but Ashley's family decided they did not want to sh- suffer through the retelling of her attack as she was still trying to recover. She was out of mm-hmm. a coma at this yeah. point. 
on April 27th, they signed off on a plea deal. So he accepted the plea deal and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He is projected for parole on April 22nd, 2024. That's soon. So. And when did this happen again? 2006. But then the trial didn't occur until 2007. Mm -hmm. So um, as for Ashley, she made an incredible recovery. Um, She was paralyzed, but was able to relearn how to walk and regain feeling in everything um she had to relearn how to walk talk and eat um she is on she has no memory of the day um and she but she um and in a couple interviews it's gone back and forth she goes some days I'm like I feel like I need to remember and other days I'm like my body made me forget for my mind made me forget for a reason like it's not something I need to remember right only a few months after the attack, uh, she had relearned how to talk and eat and drink. So it, wow. had, it wasn't even that, you know. And a year later, she graduated from high school and began volunteering at a violence prevention center. Uh, she is, she's our age. So she's yeah. 33 and has two children. And then I'm ending it on this quote that she said in her interview. She said, I'm a fighter and I just keep wanting to push myself harder and harder. Don't ever give up on yourself you just have to keep fighting always oh so i looked up a picture of her and she totally looks like someone who would have been our friend mm-hmm. she's got the the choker on she's got the black eyeliner on from the early 2000s also there's video of when you find they find her body in the woods no i won't watch that it's horrific so Let's be honest, I might watch that. I watched it and it was not. I mean, the one I I couldn't find the full clip. It was like 45 seconds and there was like it was like flashes of it, but it was uh just the flashes were horrific. I just don't I hate him. Because and then I was reading one of one of the interviews I was reading was from the detective, and he was like, We were all standing over her body, like we didn't know what to do because she was we thought she was dead and we were just all devastated that we weren't able to get to her in time. And then someone looked down at her and went, holy fuck, she's breathing. Like, <laughs> hey. And then we all- Let's call somebody. <laughs> and then we all snapped into action. We were right. trying to, you know, I, he, and in the video, you see him reach down and hold her hand because she can't move. Right. And he reaches down and grabs her hand and, um, and then the paramedics were when as he said as the EMTs were working on her, they both said, wait to hold off on notifying her parents because we don't know if she's gonna make it out when we move her, if she'll make it out. Right. If she has her neck snapped, mm-hmm. like you don't know what having to even get her onto the structure is like when and when she's very when they in the video when they show it, she's laying like this. Like her arms are stiff like this. And then like her neck is clearly like like broken. she's not it's like clearly broken wow Um, yeah and that is the awesome survival story of ashley yeah i realized halfway through that i didn't tell you it was a survival story because when you were like she's a fucking murderer i was like didn't i tell her this is no (laughs) no you said are you ready to be mad and i was like i mean i think so (laughs) so that was a, a nice surprise for you then yeah no happy ending ending. it's just like when because one thing you're guilty of is getting pissed about something and like talking smack about someone then it's like 
they actually died and then it's like oh shit <laughs> damn it and this is what happened <laughs> me i'm like fuck this guy fuck you he's a murderer and it's like wait no she survived oh good i'm so happy <laughs> still fuck that guy you know what i mean <laughs> still fuck that guy still i still fucking hate him mm-hmm. um i hope he dies a slow and painful death but but i'm glad she's alive that's exciting and she like learned to walk again yeah she's not paralyzed at all that's so fully cool. functioning had babies that's mm-hmm. cool wow wow it's amazing what the human body can survive mm-hmm. well it's just like all is stupid but also true um like what are they called uh positive memes that are like mm-hmm. you know life finds a way or whatever and it has yeah. like the plant growing on top of a brick somehow yeah. nobody really knows you know i was like it's so true well, and that it just kind of, her survival, it kind of reminded me of the first story you told on here of the girl oh, who had the Rasputin head where she had to hold it up. Where she had to hold it up because it fell back on, back to yeah. her back. And she was like, uh. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I got up and then all of a sudden I was looking at, behind me. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, wow. Good story. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I liked, I liked that. And by liked that, I mean it was terrible, but I like the fact that she is alive. Mm-hmm. And thriving. I'm sure she appreciates it as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you need to pee or anything? No, because we only got 40% battery on my computer. Okay, well, let's, so. I, I'm like, I got to pee, but I'll hold it because I hold <laughs> it forever for anything else. That's not <laughs> what I wanted. I'm going to tell you the story about the murder of Jill Dando. You ever heard of her? It sounds familiar but um it's a relatively famous story in the uk okay um, i was watching some uk crime that might be why i was mm-hmm. watching some on hbo i had I never heard of it but... and i was like how did i not hear of this this is like a lady who's known media wise mm-hmm. so jill wendy dando was born november 9th of 1961 in western england to Jack Dando and Winifred Mary Jean Dando. Oh, that's a good name, Winifred. I do Winifred. like that name. I know, me too. It's weird. It's weird that I like it because it's just such a like aged name, you know. I really like Betsy too. Like I'm a fan of old names. Uh huh. I agree. <laughs> um, you should hear some of these names in this. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, good. It's pretty good. So I'm about to because you're gonna tell me it. <laughs> true. You're right. <laughs> She had a brother who was quite a few years older than her. It was like a, not a second generation birth, but he was like a teenager when she was born. Mm -hmm. Um, And his name was Nigel. Nigel. I told you. (laughs) Uh, He was a journalist. Look, it's Nigel with, that must be Nigel with the the (laughs) Brie. Sorry. Um, He was a journalist with the BBC for a specific branch so I guess I didn't realize until I like researched this how widespread the BBC is it's not just like a and then she's not talking about big black cock either no I'm not talking about big black cock um at all (laughs) but I thought it was just like a tv channel like you know our NBC CBS that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it's like the whole of the television and media broadcasting there yeah. so I was like wow okay anyway because they said a bunch of different branches which I didn't specify a lot of them I just mm-hmm. said a branch of because that's a little 
it's a lot and i'm like i don't know that anybody's gonna know except people from the uk where that is or what that is your glasses so. remind me of btk thank you <laughs> uh i have been getting headaches from my screens so i had to wear my blue blockers since i was going to be looking at a screen because i'm cool uh <laughs> So at about three, it was discovered that Jill had a hole in her heart and a blocked pulmonary. So she had like a major surgery when she was four. Mm -hmm. And after that, she recovered super well. You you wouldn't have even known because, you know, some people have those heart conditions and then they can't do like sports and, Mm -hmm. you know, just to be careful. Um, But she, it was like, she never had a heart condition. Um, From a young age, she knew she wanted to be famous uh, she attended Greenwood Junior School, World Comprehensive School, and Weston College, and that's where she was, like, the head girl, so, like, student body council, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, then she went to South Gallimorgan Institute of in Wales, where she studied journalism, and that's where she found what she wanted to do with her okay. life. Uh, after this, she got her first job in Weston Mercury, where her father and her brother worked. It was like a, um, small, I want to say it was like, I think it was a newspaper, if I remember correctly. I didn't write it down in here. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's where they worked and she became just like a trainee reporter. Uh, she began working for the BBC in 1985 as a newsreader on one of their radio stations so that's that's where I was like I didn't realize there was like radio and whatever it was like all media platforms um then within a year she transferred to BBC Southwest where she was a regional representer or presenter for the BBC magazine program called Spotlight Southwest so it was one of the like little segments of the news there Mm -hmm. um in 1987 she moved to on to television southwest and then moved to bbc's spotlight plymouth which was like a bigger deal i guess plymouth one is like super famous mm-hmm. i don't know from what i'm reading they're like making this seem like whoa she's like moving up in the world i'm like i don't understand but maybe it's just because i don't know the i don't know the regions you know right um she then in 1988 landed a position as an anchor of sorts at the bbc one and two for hourly news segments so she was like the six o'clock news anchor for main bbc one and two news reporting Mm -hmm. which is a big deal um she also was the host uh she also was the host of a still active news segment called crime watch so she was she was the girl who walked through the studio talking about the the different crimes i always just imagine what's his face from when i was reading this and seeing like pictures of it mm-hmm. i imagine um what's his name the old unsolved mysteries guy when he like oh, yeah. would walk through and tell stories the smoke walk through the yeah. smoke yeah <laughs> but she's like walking through people on computers mm-hmm. old school computers so it was oh, yeah. pretty great um <laughs> So then in 1989, she began dating an executive at BBC named Bob Wheaton. Um, the two parted ways, though, in 1996. So they dated for like eight years. And then in December of 97, she met Alan Farthing, who was a gynecologist. And uh, while they met, she was in the process of 
or he was in the process of divorcing his divorcing his ex. Um, and once that got finalized, they announced that they were engaged in 1999. Okay. Um, they were planning to marry that same year in December. So it, on April 25th of 1999. So mm-hmm. she's done all this stuff. She's engaged. Awesome. Jill began hosting did the like premiere episode of this show called Antique Collectors. Um, all about people traveling the UK and hunting down antiques and like treasures and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the day after that, she was due to host the six o'clock news and was booked to head a British Academy Television Award show on May the 9th. So like a week after that, mm-hmm. right? Well, two weeks after that. Um, to to say the least, she had officially like taken off. She was a yeah. very well-known person in yeah in tv um she was known as the golden girl of british tv uh she was described as very well put together always kind to everybody and never having a bad moment that was Mm -hmm. repeated multiple times um very genuine and caring and even with all of her success she and beginning the life to live a life of luxury Mm -hmm. um she still was very down to earth and friendly with anybody that she met nobody had a bad word to say about her um the night of april 25th jill stayed at her boyfriend's house um at this point she pretty much lived with alan but she still had her own flat elsewhere and so she went there once in a while but she was in the process of getting it ready to sell it so Mm -hmm. that she would just live with alan um the morning of the 26th for whatever reason she got up and she went to her house there wasn't really a like Alan didn't know why she was going there or anything. She just said that she was going to go to her house and he's like, all right, you know, Mm -hmm. have a good day, whatever. So she got up and went to her house. I'm assuming maybe just to get ready for her day since she was supposed to host the news that night. Mm -hmm. Um, But she walked up to her front door at 1132 AM. And as she approached the door, someone came up behind her, grabbed her, shoved her to the ground, put a gun to her left temple and shot. (gasps) And then just walked away. Yeah. Um, so the shot was not heard by anybody. Oh no. Um, so they, they said originally they thought maybe it was so close contact that it was that her skull basically acted as a silencer. Okay. Um, because he was, as far as they could tell, she was shoved to the ground and her head was against the ground. Okay. And so when they shot, the explosion happened in her skull. rather than happening outside of it outside of it so they think that that's what absorbed the sound um was her brain but nobody (laughs) really knew that anything happened Mm -hmm. because nobody heard anything and it was so casual like they both walked up this guy came up behind her did it and walked away like it was a paid job almost yeah um an assassin an assassin um, one of her neighbors found her about uh, 15 minutes later and called the police. It was 1147 when the call came in. Um, and she was taken to the hospital where she was announced dead on arrival mm-hmm. at 103. She okay. was 37 years old at the time. Um, in the beginning, the news reported that she had been stabbed to death because the police couldn't tell if she was stabbed or shot because nobody heard a shot first off. Mm-hmm. And there was so much blood that until she was like actually at the hospital getting like 
looked Medical, at, yeah. you couldn't really tell. Um, so originally they thought maybe she had been stabbed. So then the reporters just ran with it and announced mm-hmm. that. Um, one of the neighbors had heard a little bit of a scream or like a yelp, but he thought that it was an excited scream, like mm-hmm. like you've never like you haven't seen someone for a long time is the way that he described it, like a mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um but he looked out his window and all he saw was like a man who was about 40, six feet tall, um, walk like a white man walking away from the house. He couldn't see Jill because she was on the ground. And from his vantage point, he couldn't see like the bottom part of the door or lower. Yeah. So it just so, looked like somebody was walking down the street. Yeah. So it just looked like somebody was walking away with a long, dark coat on. Mm-hmm. Uh so Jill's funeral was on May 21st, 1999 in Weston Supermar. I don't know what that means, but it was there. It was announced multiple times in different things. So I was like, must mm-hmm. be a cool place or something. <laughs> um, not a single lead was given up. Like they had no idea what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the media blew up, obviously, because she was like a well-known face. Right. Uh, throughout the investigation, the police interviewed over... 2,500 people and had taken 1,000 statements and genuinely had no lead that led to anything more than just a statement or a hearsay kind of thing. Okay. Um, There seemed to be no motive. And as far as they could tell, nobody had any beef with Jill. Okay. Um, So they were like, okay, maybe it was an obsessed fan. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a workplace competition thing that they're not that wasn't like said, you know, Mm -hmm. there was rumors just like flying. Was there a secret relationship? Was there conspiracy? Cause it does sound like a kind of paid hit. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a criminal she reported on, on crime watch had some beef with her. Um, so they scanned those cases and looked into 30 different people that may have had felt called out or exposed on crime watch. Mm -hmm. And all of them had been cleared with no motive no and an alibi you know okay um so then they thought that maybe it was an a planned attack because recently Serbia Serbia had been bombed by NATO and it killed one of their main journalists that they had that was in a similar position oh. to Jill in their like media circus mm-hmm. <laughs> circus circuit um same thing yeah pretty much and this led them to think that maybe serbia did it as payback like mm-hmm. there was a group that did it but this also led to nothing they looked into it and it kind of just dead end right um now for the actual physical evidence of the shooting there was a shell casing found it had a few very small like indentations in it leading to people leading for people to think that the bullet had been tampered with so they thought okay maybe there was gunpowder was either taken out of it or lessened in it so that it made less of a sound since they were doing such a close attack so that also makes it seem like okay this is somebody planning to do this killing so maybe again a hit of some sort mm-hmm. um da, 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 da. Again, I just stopped looking at my notes too long, <laughs> as always. 
so with this came the conclusion that it was most likely a stalker that planned it is what they were thinking since none of the conspiracy stuff was leading anywhere um there was camera footage showing her throughout the day of her different like things she was doing and nobody was following her but personally they made this seem like this was like an indicator that no one was stalking her personally I'm like what if they're just waiting at her house for her like right yeah she doesn't go there very often but then when she does she's usually by herself because mm -hmm. otherwise she's at Alan's house with him right and he so could have like, been watching her for weeks so he's not going to watch her today because today's the day that he's waiting for her you know exactly yeah. and and I think that it seems like it's someone who maybe doesn't want to be seen because they confronted her from behind and pushed her mm -hmm. down and shot her without ever face her facing them. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that would make sense to me as it being a stalker too, because it's like, for whatever reason, you put this person on a pedestal and, yeah, you know, so for me, I feel like it's probably a stalker of some sort. Um, they also, oh, by the way, this is unsolved. Um, they cool. also... <laughs> They also thought that, uh, da, 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 there it is, that maybe it was just a random act of violence because that mm -hmm. also happens where someone will just, okay, here's my opportunity, bang. Mm -hmm. um, a year passed, they hadn't moved forward like at all with where to go with these leads. Um, the public and Jill's family were pushing even harder than they had ever before for a deeper investigation and a little more like action on the cops' parts to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, so the police began looking and following and following old tips. Um, they came upon one that hadn't been followed much about a man named Barry George. Uh, the, the tip was called in by an organization that assists disabled adults. And Barry was one of their clients. Uh, an officer went to interview him. Uh, Barry was a messenger on BBC TV. Mm -hmm. So he would just like, bring messages back and forth to different areas because okay if you look at the bbc like building because i looked it up because i was like that's like mayo mayo has messengers that like mm -hmm. carry things to different buildings and stuff i'm like oh yeah well and i look at it and i was like i could see that it's like a lot of buildings mm -hmm. a lot of just like different areas so he was a messenger there so there's a connection he worked there for about five months he was contracted for six but he only worked for five Mm -hmm. uh, he lived only about a half a mile away from Jill. He had a background in stalking. So he had a little bit of a rap sheet. Mm -hmm. um, he was one of those guys that was denied becoming a police officer. And so he would pretend he was a police officer. Super okay. cool guys. Um, he was put on surveillance and they were able to get a general search warrant for his house where they found a lot of undeveloped film rolls that were found to have random pictures of different women on them just like from the street type of thing uh one was also of him in a gas mask holding a gun mm. super cool it's kind of creepy mm -hmm. if, if, i'll probably post it with the thing because it was just one of those things like oh um but whatever and this gun matched the size of the gun that the shell would have gone into that killed mm -hmm. jill um he also had a bunch of notes that were taken of people's license plates and addresses and along with the that he had like maps to these different addresses that were women's houses that they found mm -hmm. out 
Um, he also had lots of pictures of Jill Dando cut out from articles and his own pictures. Uh, so that's gross. Yeah. Uh, they found a long coat in his possession that kind of matched the one that was seen by an by the witness. Uh, there was a small amount of gun residue, like legitimately like a couple molecules of gun residue in the pocket of that coat that matched the chemical makeup of the residue that was in Jill's hair. Barry was arrested on May 25th, 2000, and on May 28th, he was charged. The trial began... February 2001 and in July he was convicted and sen sentenced to life. I thought you said it was unsolved. The public felt that there was oh. <laughs> yeah it's one of those. Blame. Uh, so the public felt that there wasn't enough like conclusive evidence to actually convict somebody for this because legitimately they had like the couple molecules of gunpowder residue that matches any gun like any bullet that came from the same like batch blah blah blah, blah mm -hmm. you know it's like okay it's kind of like it's there but it's also kind of a stretch like you can kind of make it fit to the thing so it doesn't seem like there's enough concrete evidence to convict him for this um so the public kind of was like okay like that's great but he was sentenced to life on this like Let not very strong evidence uh, and so Barry appealed in the court multiple times and in November of 2007, he appealed and it was granted to have a new trial. Um, this trial was eight weeks long. It ended on August 1st, 2008, and he was acquitted. So uh, I've seen some interviews from him and he's definitely like a creep, but being a creep doesn't necessarily make you a murderer. Uh, and I think that's what was kind of decided because his defense said basically his arg their argument was that he had he was not smart enough to pull this off like he would not have been able to like plan going up and quietly doing something like this it, tampering with the bullet and all that stuff because while he was on trial this time they had him looked at psychology by psychologists and whatnot and it was found that he was on the autism spectrum and had multiple personalities, personality disorders. So not multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. um, he was antisocial, histrionic, narcissistic, paranoid, and had ADHD. And his IQ was only 75. So they were like, oh, I don't think that he'd be able to plan that out that well to where mm -hmm. he doesn't have more evidence on him as a person, you know. Maybe he just I think got maybe lucky. He, I know, I was like, I think maybe he did it, but. I think he did it. He just got lucky. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So since the acquittal, many magazines had still said that he was the killer and then he was able to sue them and get settlements because he was found not guilty. Mm -hmm. And so well, he was acquitted. Yeah. Well, right. But he still wasn't, he was charged and was not actually whatever. Anyway. So, uh, so here are some theories other than the ones that we've discussed. One of Jill's friends, they say it was a call in tip saying that they were Jill's friend. Uh, called in a tip and said that they heard some famous names were involved in human trafficking, like highfalutin people in the media, um, all that stuff. And Jill was about to expose all this information. Like she had been. Oh, you mean like Jeffrey Epstein and the yeah. Prince? Yeah. And so they were thinking maybe 
she got killed for this um but there's no proof that this was actually somebody who knew jill or if it was just somebody calling in with what they think maybe they were theorizing on um then during barry's retrial his defense was given about fifty thousand documents um to look through to get ready for the trial and they found a man named wayne aaron who was an irish republic soldier oh ira Mm -hmm. so he was in jail at the time for a murder that he committed a guy he killed a couple of months after jill had died Mm -hmm. um and he claims that jill had been targeted by the ira irish republican army republic army excuse Mm -hmm. me um because of crime watch so she had from what he said she had reported on something that was exposing too much about the ira yeah something a branch of something happening and that she had actually been taken out by a four-man hit group and he was part of it the police looked into this and found that it wasn't legit like he was just kind of throwing it out there it seems um, there was also a man named Marcus William Thomas, who is an investigative journalist who claims that he was given access to the different tips that weren't fully looked into that didn't seem very valid, but he was given access to him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he met up with one of the people that had confessed knowing who had killed Jill, or they thought they knew who killed Jill, but this didn't really lead to anything either. And he hasn't said anything about names. They kind of like broke it down to where they think they know who did it, but Mm -hmm. it didn't go anywhere. And this was the most recent thing. It was like 2018 when he came out with that information. Um, But Alan and Nick, Alan, her fiance and Nick Ross, who was her co-host on the BBC created an academic institute in her name and raised 1.9 million dollars for it it's called the jill dando institute of crime science Mm -hmm. um was and it was opened april 26 2001 so it was like right after everything was happening and it's based out of the university college london uh there was a memorial garden created in grove park that's filled with her favorite color like she has she likes that cornflower blue so she mm-hmm. there's like arches that are blue there's it's really it's quite cu- cool looking um then bbc made a bursary 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 award in her memory that awards one student funds to go to school to study journalism every year okay um and there is a documentary about this case called the murder of jill dando so there's a lot of like obviously there's a lot of media clips Mm -hmm. that you can find on the internet that if if this intrigues you take a peek because it is really interesting like watching the interviews from the one guy and um seeing the interviews with her brother was very was kind of the face of the family during everything her older Mm -hmm. brother where he would go and do the do the interviews and chat about it with media. Um, I'm wondering if it's just because her parent, well, her mom, I believe, has passed away, has mm-hmm. passed away and was dead when she died. So I'm pretty sure because I read that she was buried next to her mother. Um, but yeah, that's the story, an unsolved case of Jill Dando, which I think is solved, but on paper it's not. Because I think it was that Barry guy. 
but he was acquitted so mm-hmm. so i mean i think this is all just my own speculation let's just all be clear about that mm-hmm. make your own conclusions make your own conclusions but yeah well, that is it well well that's it that's all that's we got so i happy happy day oh happy day oh happy day oh happy day when jesus walked. okay okay anywho anyway thanks for listening guys you guys are the best the b's and the knees and the elbows and the all a big stretch for christina i just cracked my whole back from top to bottom did it do the it was wonderful nice all right guys so spread the word spread yourself just do it spread it just spread Spread it it. just spread it anywho anyway you guys have a good (laughs) anywho that was gross all right bye (laughs) bye